Do you have a friend or a relative who's a religious sister or brother? Have you had the opportunity to have a longer conversation with someone in religious life? If you do, or if you have, I'm betting the experience had at least two effects on you. I'll tell you what I'm thinking coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, your host for this hour of on-air and online spiritual direction. Thanks for listening. My wife and I are very grateful for the religious brothers and sisters that the Lord has brought into our lives and who we would call friends. Based on my experiences of getting to know and having great conversations with these wonderful disciples of Jesus, I'm guessing that if you've had similar encounters, you may have come away from them with two distinct impressions. First, I'll bet you were impressed by their holiness. I imagine that you saw the fruits of the Holy Spirit really obviously active in their lives. Maybe a sister just exuded joy. Maybe a brother embodied a profound peace. And if you're like me, you found this inspiration both motivating and challenging. Motivating because there was just something so enticing, so profound, yet simple in what you saw. And challenging because you realized just how far you had to go in the spiritual journey. Sometimes you might even have been tempted to think that their level of spiritual attentiveness was unattainable. But in the same breath, I propose that you also found that they were human. There are things that bring them joy, but they have frustrations too. They have the whole gamut of family dynamics. They have passions and longings. They have a favorite movie, a favorite food. These things, and just the simple fact that their God-given humanity shone through right alongside their God-graced holiness, means that, so very often, when I get to spend time with a religious brother or sister, I am inspired. Inspired to gratitude for their example to me and how I might seek to emulate them, confident of God's work in my life as well. It's almost like our religious sisters and brothers are signposts to the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. Well, today on the show, we're talking about the religious life, why it is, what it is, and what it means to you and your walk of faith. Our spiritual director for the hour joining us for the first time is Sister Maristella Vaughn. Sister Maristella has been a Dominican sister for 19 years and teaches ethics, religion, and art at John Paul II Catholic High School in Avondale, Arizona. Sister, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us, and happy solemnity to you. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. Happy solemnity to you as well. Yeah, very good. Now, I have to I have to start off with, because our producer Nick is already asking, so what's your favorite movie and what's your favorite food? <laughs> That's great. As you were going through that little list, I was like, hmm, better have one ready. So, gosh, there are many, but I love Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, and okay. uh, those movies came out when just before I entered the convent, and uh, so they hold a great significance for me in all their imagery that points to Christ. Favorite food? I grew up on the East Coast, and so I love some good seafood. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, there you go, Nick. Now you and I know, and all of our listening audience knows. <laughs> Z, very human, and, and I love that. Well, <laughs> staying in that vein, sister, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Like, uh, Let us know about your, your early life and your vocation story. Since this is your first time on the program, we'd love to get to know you. 
Okay, great. Well, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was born to a loving Catholic family. I was raised in the faith, and my parents gave me the opportunity to attend Catholic school. However, my best friends were Protestant when I was in high school, and I enjoyed going to their church because they had better music, I thought, (laughs) than we did. And so little by little, my faith was really beginning to sway, and I didn't understand so many of the rich teachings of our Catholic faith. Thankfully, at that time, the Lord put a really dynamic teacher in my life. My junior year religion teacher in high school was a young man who went on to become a priest. And that year, he really challenged all of us to live for more than what society tells us we can do and be. And I was drawn by his, basically his proclamation of the gospel. I was drawn to our Lord through that. But as I was being drawn, many, many questions were rising up. So, okay, why do we Catholics have a Pope? What's the big deal with Mary? Why is this Eucharist so special? All these things that I had been presented with from my youth. But, you know, as a teen, that's the moment where many young people have to come to terms with the faith on their own, not just because their parents have given it to them, but because it's, it's something that's important to me, you know? So thanks be to God, that teacher was willing to answer those questions, to stay after school, to to let me grapple with things. And it was by the end of that year that I realized not only am I so blessed to be Catholic, but I long to do more. I long to be more. I want to be with the Lord in a very special way. I started to drive myself to daily Mass before school and just to seek out times of prayer and reflection. So I think that teacher saw in me a religious vocation before I did. And he was the one who asked me, it was the end of that school year, he said, hey, have you ever thought about the possibility of a religious vocation? And I said, what's that? (laughs) And he said, (laughs) he handed me a newsletter that day, actually, for my community, the Nashville Dominicans, or the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. And I saw for the first time these young, happy women, and I thought, what is this? I want more. I want to know more, you know, and something touched my heart that day. Looking back, I recognized it was the Lord. He was speaking to my heart and inviting me, but that touch was an invitation that said, stay open to this. Obviously I was still young. I had another year of high school, but from that day, that stirring in my heart never really left me. After I graduated from high school, I asked my parents' permission to fly up to Nashville, where our mother house is, to visit. And I remember I just said, I'd like to go on a retreat. (laughs) My dad said, why do you have to go all the way to Nashville to go on a retreat? Aren't there retreats around here? (laughs) And I, (laughs) I just, I remember being too, I don't know, nervous, I guess, at the time to really broach the subject. So I just said, well, it's a special retreat, Dad. And so they permitted me to come. And while I was here for those couple of days, it felt almost too good to be true. I was thinking as you gave your introduction to the show about the holiness of religious and the high standard, you know, I looked around at these women, some of them 80, 90 years old who have lived this life for decades. And I just felt like, Oh no, I couldn't be called to this. (laughs) You know, God calls holy people to this. I'm just an ordinary person. I like to go shopping. I like to go to the beach. I like boys. You know, and yeah. and as I wrestled with that kind of dichotomy between what I thought a religious was and who I, I knew I was, it just seemed like it, it couldn't be really for me. Mm. And yet, that tug never went away. 
So I began college that fall. I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And I kind of made a deal with God, <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> looking back, you know, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. great expression, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's right. But in my yeah. case, it wasn't even just telling him my plans. It was, well, let's make a deal. <laughs> so <laughs> the, deal, <laughs> the deal went something like this. It was, okay, God, if you want me to be a sister, I'll be a sister, but let's keep it really simple. Let me graduate school in four years. Don't let me fall in love in the process. And then we'll talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the I like the caveat you gave yourself an out there at the end, right? And then we'll talk yeah. about it. It's not like I'm in, we'll but chat. We'll, we'll we'll chat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. So the Lord in His mercy was just smiling, and and He knew what really would be much better. So mm. within just a matter of months, I had met a really young, a really nice young man, and was spending more and more time with him. And as a result, I was trying to push the thought of religious life further from my mind. But that wasn't working so well. I was becoming very restless, and my heart was become. I didn't realize, I couldn't articulate this at the time, but my heart was torn, you know? It was torn between this beautiful relationship that was at my fingertips and this stirring of religious life that wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> and the young man knew that I had been to Nashville before starting at Franciscan University. So he actually made the suggestion, hey, why don't you go back to Nashville over Christmas? There was going to be a vocation retreat. And I suspect that he thought that I would come, I would return to the mother house and realize oh, this isn't for me. What was I thinking? You know, and then I could return to college and just really let the notion of religious life go and then proceed with a relationship or whatever the future may bring, you know? Well, that's obviously not what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I returned to Nashville with my intention to rule out this as a possibility. I thought, I want to go and figure out I'm not called to be a sister. So I can go back to campus and and date and just have a normal college experience. Well, as soon as I walked in the door of the mother house that second time, the feeling of being home just washed over me. Mm. It's like I was stepping foot in a place that I had always been destined for. You know, I was created to be here. I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not why I came here. I came here to rule this out. I came here to realize this is not where you're calling me, God. But over the course of those few days, because obviously I was still here for the next several days of retreat, I spent more time in silence. I spent time in the chapel. I spent time grappling really with this supernatural call to religious life and the natural desire that really every woman's heart is made for human love, marriage, motherhood. And with that possibility, very tangible, (laughs) you know, I was really grappling with these two realities. So on the last day of the retreat, I spoke to one of the sisters and I just told her, you know, I came here to rule this out, but the longer I'm here, the more at home I feel, the more drawn I feel. And I'm, I feel really torn. And as she listened, she was so patient and she was so wise. And she just helped me to realize that she said, you know, I'm not an army recruiter. I'm not here to get numbers. I'm just here to tell a young woman when I see in her the zeal and the love that it would take to give her heart to Jesus Christ. And I see that in you. And she said, of course, the vocation of marriage is good. It's noble. It's beautiful. And to those who are called to that, we need those holy marriages. 
But she said, for those who are called to leave all to follow Jesus Christ, there is no greater gift. And she said, why don't you just spend this last night in the chapel? We were going to have a holy hour that night. Excuse me. And she said, why don't you go before the Lord tonight and just say, Lord, I'm not here to tell you my plans. I'm here to hear your plans. Mm. And so when I did that and I just let down this guard of um, what I thought would bring me the most happiness, it was in that quiet time of adoration that I just heard not a voice, you know, people always want to know, well, what was it like? It wasn't neon lights or something. It was just that still small voice that we hear about in the scriptures where in my heart, I just knew that these words were being spoken to me. Come be my bride. There was a very pious looking girl kneeling right beside me. (laughs) And for a second, I thought, surely that was for her. (laughs) You missed, right? (laughs) Yeah. And it was like the Lord had to pull me back to him and say, no, look at me. This is for you. Come be my bride. And so I was shocked. I was shocked at how those few days unfolded, but I left that retreat with an application to enter that fall. I did the very difficult thing of going back to campus and breaking off that relationship. It was also challenging to tell my family. They could see it coming, but um, they didn't expect it so soon. And I'm the only girl in my family, so that was an added difficulty for my mom, who, you know, always dreamed that I would have children of my own and so forth. So anyhow, I uh, walked through those next few months, and I entered the religious life in August of 2004. Wow. Oh, man. We've just heard the vocation story, well, at least part of it. I, You know, I have a thousand questions, sister, but of Sister Marie Stella Vaughn. (laughs) Uh, who is a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia, Nashville Dominican, and has been so for 19 years. And she teaches bioethics, ethics and culture, and calligraphic arts. Man, we should get into that at John Paul II Catholic (laughs) High School in Avondale, Arizona. If you have a relationship with a religious sister or brother, and that has really meant something special in your walk of faith, if you yourself perhaps are a religious sister or brother and would like to call in and give your testimony, or if you have a question about the religious life, about discerning a vocation to the religious life, about what religious sisters and brothers do each day, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 888-914-9149 is our phone number, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, sister, thank you for that story. It's just so, so moving. And all the way through, you can see how God has been calling you, but specifically, you know, one of the things that I saw happening there that you gave testimony to individual after individual who played a role in that, who um, thinking like the young man who said, why don't you go back? Why don't you go back to the mother house? Right. You know, get some clarity on this. Or was it the vocations mm-hmm. director who said, you know, well, I see it in you. Um, and yeah. We need holy marriages. Yes, but I see it in you. I mean, th- those that God uses these conversations, maybe even the, the person who first said to you, have you ever considered a vocation to the religious life? So I guess my yeah. question is, I mean, especially I think uh, many of us who are lay, lay men and women who are listening to the show would want to know, well, you know, what's a good tack? If we, what, what should we be looking for in terms of, uh, you know, maybe this person has a call to the religious life. What are some clues for us? Mm, that's a great question. I think in every vocation story, a common thread 
although each story will be unique, obviously, because it's about a relationship and relationships are unique. But there's a common thread that runs through all of these stories of priests and religious, and that is a desire for our Lord and the Eucharist. So our Lord is drawing the human heart to himself in a multitude of ways, but the closest he can be to us in this lifetime is through the Eucharist. And so you see it time and time again where there's a young person who just wants to stay for a few extra minutes after Mass or wants to get to Mass early to pray. Or, you know, their family's going on vacation and they're the first ones to say, well, where are we going to go to Mass while we're there? <laughs> you know, Or it may be Scripture. Also, Scripture can be a big draw. You know, if you notice a young person who maybe carries a Bible while other young people would say, gosh, that's a burden, you know, or um, has an app on their phone that you see them using a lot. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's Hello, or, you know, any of these wonderful apps where people can access scripture easily. Um, That might be a sign, well, this is a person who thirsts for the Lord. (laughs) And where is that thirst coming from? It's not our initiative. The Lord is always the one who invites to religious life, to anything good and holy. And so the the one who is being drawn in a particular way will probably stand out. I can remember people at my parish when I was young, noting things in me that I thought were just normal. But they would say to my mom, don't be surprised if she becomes a religious. And I would Mm -hmm. laugh it off. Oh, my gosh. You know, (laughs) but sure enough, those were signs. Well, what were they? I wanted to go to daily mass during the summer. You know, I was willing to teach Sunday school when the rest of my friends were involved in a diocesan youth retreat, which was way more fun. But I felt drawn to teaching. Okay, now I'm a Dominican, you know, it's like these little things that at the time that seemed totally normal. Of course, I want to teach second grade Sunday school while I'm a senior in high school. But looking back, I can see, no, that's extraordinary. That was the Lord preparing me (laughs) for the future that he had destined for me. So I think others are usually more aware of the special things happening in the young person's life before the young person even is. So I would just encourage all listeners to Ask the Holy Spirit, do you want me to say something to this young person? How can I encourage her or him? You know, is there some way I can support this person? Uh, Because there may be a concrete way that that person, you know, needs that help and assistance at that time in his or her life. Okay, very good, very good. Well, there's lots of questions that we can ask and lots of questions that I'm hopeful that you can answer, Sister Maristella. We're grateful to have you as our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. If you have a uh, relationship with a religious sister or brother and you'd like to just tout the joys of that relationship, what has it meant in your life of faith? Give us a call. Let us know. 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about what the religious life is about or how to go about discerning a vocation to the religious life. 888-914-9149. Join the conversation or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take a brief break, but we'll be back with more with Sister Maristella and the religious life right after this. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Welcome back to the Inner Life. 
life here on Relevant Radio on the RelevantRadio.com and, of course, the Relevant Radio app. If you haven't downloaded that app yet, give it a shot. Man, it's so loaded with great things. I prayed the rosary along with Father Rocky just uh, on my way home today. So uh, great things to be done there on the Relevant Radio app as well as listen, of course, live to Relevant Radio, which you're doing right now. And with our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, who is Sister Mari Stella Vaughn, one of the Nashville uh, Dominicans, the Dominican Sister of St. Cecilia, and she has been so for 19 years. Let's uh, take a phone call, Sister. We've got Margaret, who's calling in from Colorado Springs. Margaret, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you. Um, I just wanted to, when you were um, talking about all the things about sisters, and I just, it just resonated with me. I kept saying, yes, yes, yes. Um, there's a group of Salesian sisters here in Colorado Springs, and um, um, one in particular that I spend more time with because I help her, I volunteer um, every week, and she just exudes this joy that is, and she's so holy, and I just, I just love being around her, um, and I just, well, I just don't know what else to say, but her joy is just. Um, intoxicating. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, Margaret. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, so many people comment when they meet my sisters about how joyful the sisters are. And that was really one of the first things that compelled me when I met them too, 20 years ago now. You know, I believe it comes from living with Jesus in all of the ups and downs of life. No vocational path will be easy. Every vocational path will have its thorns, have its crosses. But I think any Christian can embody this joy of the Holy Spirit when we individually or as a family take up the challenge to embrace that cross and say, Jesus, wherever you lead, I want to be there with you. And that's the joy of that sister that you see that you work with because she no doubt has embraced whatever crosses the Lord has sent her in this life. So let's praise God for that. Thanks for your call. What a great, what a great testimony, Margaret. Thank you so much for that. And that's, yeah, let's, let's have more of those. If you know a religious sister or brother who really has been an example to you, who you've been inspired by, and would like to give him or her a shout out, please give us a call. 888-914-9149. As we're talking about the religious life with our spiritual director, Sister Mari Stella. Let's take another phone call. We've got Candy who's calling in from Arizona. Candy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, it's, uh... The whole, definitely the Holy Spirit has brought me to talk to uh, Sister Mary Stella this way. Um, I know her personally, and she is yes. an absolute, ah, you make me emotional. She's an absolute joy. Oh. She exudes um, peace and the love of Christ. And she is, ah, my goodness, I didn't expect this. Um, she has been incredibly uh, impactful on my life. Um, and obviously my daughters, my daughter goes to JP2, which I am so glad that she's there with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to comment on, I've actually heard your story twice, and I didn't even know it was you uh, over the last couple of days, which is crazy. So it was the Holy Spirit. Um, so I just wanted everyone to know how beautiful she is. Aww. And her, yes. Thank, Thank you, Candy. Oh, praise the Lord. It's great to hear your voice, Candy. And yes, it is a blessing to get to know and to walk with families. Um, Candy's daughter will be a sophomore at my school. And, and just to get to know the families of our students and to share their joys and trials, you know, and to talk to them in passing and to set times to chat. So um, 
Candy, thank you. You're a blessing in my life, too. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, Candy. Appreciate the call. Thank you for calling in. And sister, I think one of the things that I would want to ask, I mean, the the Nashville Dominicans are well known as teachers and uh, I think appreciated in many, many ways. Our, uh, our call screener today, Sarah, said, yep, Nashville Dominicans teach her kids in Joliet, Illinois. So, <laughs> nice. you know, um, so so I think they're known and appreciated. But um, just so since we're talking about the religious life in general, of course, um, not all religious are necessarily called to be teachers. Right. Let's make that clear. Oh, sure. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, so can you give us um, yeah, kind of more of the purview of what's, what's inherent in the religious life and what's more a specific charism of a particular order? That is such a great question because we do not become religious in order to do something. <laughs> we right. become religious in order to belong to the one who's called us. So first and foremost, every religious, male, female, cloistered or active, and and actually we are active religious, contemplative active, whereas a cloistered nun or a monk, you probably would not hear on a radio show. You wouldn't see them in public because they remain in their monastery, and their main work is to pray for the salvation of the world. So each of us is called, first of all, to belong to Jesus Christ through the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And the reason we take those vows are because they are what embodied Christ's own life on earth. He was born poor and lived a a simple, poor life. He also called us all to poverty of spirit. Chaste, we know that our Lord freely accepted virginity as his own path in this life. And uh, he calls all men and women to purity of body and soul. But he calls religious in a special way to renounce the good of marriage so that we can belong single-heartedly to him. And then obedience. So religious, we don't live in... um, an autonomous life. It's not like I live out on my own and and make all of my own decisions. I still obviously have an intellect and a free will, so I I don't give those up. But what I do is I sacrifice my will to the good of um, God's plan, and that is manifest to me through the will of my superiors. So for instance, to go to Arizona and teach, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't lobby for it. It was given to me as an assignment. And if there are difficulties, I can make those difficulties known. But by and large, we see in the wish wish of our superior, the will of God inviting me to go to this new place or to do this particular thing. So uh, without those three vows, our life would fall apart. They are the foundation, the firm bedrock upon which we're founded. But then in addition to the vows, all religious have some sort of apostolate, which means work. You know, you see the same root where there is apostle being sent, sent to bring the Lord. And so we as contemplative active sisters, we're rooted and grounded in prayer. We have common prayer several times a day. But in addition to that, we go out and we serve somewhere in the world. Dominicans have historically been teachers or preachers. There are also, there's also a congregation of sisters, however, called the Hawthorne Dominicans. They're beautiful. You should look them up. And they serve the terminally ill. However, other religious congregations take this um, call of Jesus to bring him to the world, and it manifests itself in different ways. And that's the word you mentioned a a moment ago, charism. So a charism is a gift of the Holy Spirit given to an individual. In this case, it'd be the founder of an order for his or her religious community to then take the Lord in a particular way out into the world. So if you look at, for instance, the Franciscans, often they're associated with poverty, you know, living, um, living and loving among and, uh, excuse me, living among Christ's 
beloved and the poor and loving Christ in the poorest of the poor. Mother Teresa's sisters did something similar. Oh. She received a similar charism. Uh, we seem to be having some there problems are. with your audio there, Sister. Uh, maybe we can clear that oh. up. And we're, Our spiritual director is Sister Maristella, a Dominican sister, um, who has been serving uh, with the Dominicans of St. Cecilia, the Nashville Dominicans, for 19 years and is currently teaching bioethics, ethics and culture, and the calligraphic arts out there at St. John Paul II High School, or John Paul II High School in Avondale, Arizona. And we, uh, we're talking about the religious life, so we're trying to uh, pull back the curtain a bit and uh, just well, say things that are not necessarily mysterious, but are, are nonetheless, um, they're out there for us to know. But it's, it sounds so good, doesn't it, to hear it from a religious sister. Uh, sister Maricela, how are we doing? How's the audio? Patrick, can you hear? Yes, yes. I, I can hear better. you fine. Is it better? Yeah. Oh, praise okay. the Lord. Great. Yeah, sorry. I, I yeah, think so I just I missed just... you. Yeah. Okay, please, please continue no, no yeah, about the charism. Okay, sure. So I'll just wrap up with how that charism, that gift of the Holy Spirit, plays out in different works of the apostolate, whether that be in nursing or teaching, serving the homeless. You know, it can, it can take a thousand different forms, just depending on how the Holy Spirit has raised up the founders of these orders, usually at a particular time in history. You know, there's going to be a particular need at that time in history, and just depending on how long that need exists, that religious order will continue to serve in that capacity. So we're very blessed to be a teaching order. Not all of my sisters serve in teaching full-time. We have a couple of sisters who are nurses who take care of our elderly sisters in the infirmary. We have some sisters who take care of the finances of the congregation, et cetera, you know. But by and large, we are a teaching community, yes. Mm, Very good. Again, our spiritual director for the hour here that we are enjoying together, speaking about the religious life is Sister Maristella. Uh, let's go back to the phone, Sister. We've got James, who's been waiting patiently in Mobile, Alabama. James, welcome to the Inner Life. Hey, James. Hello. Hello, Sister Maristella. My daughter, Sister Marie Genevieve, I'm sure if she knew I was speaking with you, would send her greetings along. I've had the pleasure to get to know Sister a little bit over my visit yes. to the mother house to visit my own daughter. And uh, I know that the two sisters, they actually, Sister Maristella reminds me a lot of of my own daughter with the joy. Yes. But I had a question. <laughs> I did have a question. I know. You know What's me, that? right? So. Yes. So um, I wanted to ask you a question about after you entered as a postulant mm-hmm. or at some further point, was there a moment or a series of moments that really confirmed your call to this vocation of consecrated life? Mm, yes, that's a beautiful question. I can think of several. I'll share one that leaps to mind. So when I was a novice, that's a year that we're cloistered. We spend the time here at the mother house learning about the vows. We haven't made profession yet. So um, just a lot of time in prayer and study. I was really struggling with the notion that Jesus could love me and all these other women. <laughs> you know, I wanted an exclusive love. I wanted him to love me alone. And so I was really struggling with how could I give my life in a vocation where I felt like the one I loved had a divided heart and loved all these other women too. So that may sound ridiculous, but I don't think I'm the only one who's ever had this struggle. (laughs) So there I was sitting in the chapel talking to the Lord about it. Well, then I went and talked to my novice mistress, and that term simply means the sister whose job it is to help these young women who are novices to 
walk further to discern, am I called to make vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience? So I went to that sister and I told her the struggle I was having. How can Jesus love me as though I'm the only one when there's all these other women who've been called to the same vocation and my heart longs to be loved exclusively? And she said, think about two people you love tremendously. And I thought about my mom and my brother. And she said, okay, does the love that you have for your mom in any way take away the love that you have for your brother? And I said, no. And she said, does the love you have for your brother take away in any way from the love that you have for your mom? And I said, well, no, they're distinct loves. It's, it's different relationships. I love my mom in a particular way, and I love my brother in a particular way. She said, right. Now you, this little girl from South Carolina, you're able to love <laughs> your mom totally and your brother totally. How much more do you think the king of love, who is love himself, love incarnate, would be capable of looking at you and loving you totally, fully, thoroughly, and then looking at the sister next to you and loving her totally, fully, and exclusively without in any way taking away the love he has for you. And I was speechless, and I went away, and I pondered that. And that really helped me to see that this this love to which we've been called as religious is unlike married love, where one husband and one wife cleave to one another, and together they get one another to heaven, This love, I'm called to Jesus with an undivided heart, but I'm also called with these beautiful women who walk beside me. And so in that moment, I was able to begin to integrate, you know, these these loves, this exclusive love that the Lord has for me, and yet this love that He also has for all the women with whom He's called me. And I love these sisters, so it's a joy to walk with them, but also to know that I'm not somehow second best to the Lord. He's able to love me exclusively because He's God. He can do that. Oh, what a great explanation and a great question too, James. Thanks for calling in. Glad that there's a a, a familial connection there um, to yes, the National Dominicans. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah, appreciate that. We're talking <laughs> about the religious life with Sister Maristella. Uh, if you have any questions about the religious life, what do sisters do on a day to day basis? Uh, what how how are their lives ordered and structured, or religious brothers for that matter? You know what what would a religious brother do in these situations as well? Maybe the different things that they're uh, living out of their vows that Sister explained so well. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Let's go now to Francisco calling in from Arizona. Francisco, welcome to the program. Hi. Um, hi, Sister. Uh, I have a question. Hey, what's the difference between hi, um, what's the difference between a nun and a sister? Great question. You know, often when people see us in the grocery store or something, they'll say, hey, are you a real nun? And I know what they mean, and so I say yes. However, (laughs) if we have longer to speak, I'll say, well, technically, no, I'm not a nun. Here's the difference. So I know what they mean. They mean, are you in a costume or is that for real? And it's for real. So I say yes. But a nun, just like a monk, they're cloistered, which means they spend their entire lives within the enclosure of a monastery. And their main work is to pray for the salvation of the world. Now, they may also have some sort of manual work that they do, such as making fudge or greeting cards or something that can be sold for financial income for their monastery, but they're not going to go out and do an apostolate out in the world. Whereas sisters and religious brothers, 
we live a foundation of, you know, our foundation of life is our prayer. So we pray in common several times a day. We take those same vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience that the nuns would take. But then we additionally go out into the world and we have what we call an active apostolate. And so you'll see sisters at the grocery store or walking to and from school, things like that, whereas you would not see nuns out and about typically. Thanks for the great question, Francisco. Francisco, great. I'm so glad that you called in, Francisco, and uh, for your explanation as well. And here's why. Here's one of the reasons why is because uh, I I delight in, you know, I know a, a number of people uh, where I live and elsewhere who will tell me, yeah, I was taught by nuns. And I delight in saying, no, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's just be yeah, clear. Technically, yeah, technically, right. right. <laughs> You're taught by sisters, yes. not by nuns. So, Francisco, thank you so much right. for calling in. And I think that is a, a commonly, uh, maybe, an, uh, I wouldn't say a misconception, but it's a, it's a misunderstanding or just, uh, yeah, people just haven't, they've used the terms interchangeably. So, thank you for yeah. clarifying that. Yeah. Francisco, again, thank you for the call. Yeah, we should take another short break here. We're talking about the religious life with our spiritual director, Sister Mari Stella. So if you have a question about the religious life, if you want to give a shout out to an order or an individual in the religious life that you that you have been touched by and has meant something in your life of faith, give us a call, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We'll be back right after this. You can support Relevant Radio in many ways. Joining a giving society, donating a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. Donate now at RelevantRadio.com slash property. How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you find a word that means Maria? Oh, we just had to, didn't we? <laughs> Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, who selected that song. I'll put that on him. And uh, and was we're talking about the religious life. Also, Sarah Tafoya taking your phone calls. Thank you to them both. And as well as to our spiritual director, Sister Mari Stella, a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia for 19 years, teaching bioethics, ethics, and culture, and the calligraphic arts at John Paul II Catholic High School in Avondale, Arizona. And as I said, we're talking about the religious life. We got some phone calls rolling in here with questions and shout-outs. So let's go to Adam next, calling in from Minnesota. Adam, welcome to the show. Welcome, Adam. Hi, thanks for taking the call. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a father. I've got three young children, uh, another on the way, and I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything uh, particular that your parents did uh, to help guide you in your vocational path. Mm, yeah, that's a great question, Adam. Thank you. You know, I think the biggest, uh, foundation that parents can offer, and this my parents certainly did for me, was simply raising us in the faith. You know, um, I remember when I was preparing to enter, and my mom was struggling with it. I had mentioned that at the outset of the show, that I'm the only girl, and my mom and I have always been very close, and so it was very hard for her to see me leave home, you know, and very young also. Well, her friends said, well, if you hadn't been such a good Catholic, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> And I don't know that that consoled my mom much, but I think the point is true, that she lived her faith. I can remember being a little girl and seeing my mom start her day with a rosary silently, you know, and she would invite me to pray with her, to go to Mass with her. And my father is just very supportive of uh, me going on things like youth retreats and, you know, helping me live my life in a, in a way that... Um, 
you know, a lot of teens, you know, when parents, I think, have the misconception, oh, I'll just leave it to my child to decide when they get old enough. You know, they can decide if they want to be baptized or confirmed later. Gosh, my heart just breaks because I think, what about all those graces that the child will be missing out on from this time until then? You know, so I'd say keep up the good work with you and your wife, just living the faith, um, encouraging them, letting them know that religious life exists, showing them pictures of sisters, priests. Um, you know, I think a uh, way that parents don't realize they're hindering a vocation can be when they do nothing. And, and then their child grows up not even knowing that there's the possibility. So to have, uh, you know, books around or take, if you have a, if there's a convent or a rectory nearby, you know, let your children meet real sisters, brothers, priests, you know, and then it can just be one of the many possibilities. I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a sister, you know, <laughs> and it's great just to have that on the radar of this is something I could potentially be called to in, in my life. Yeah. Thanks for the question, yeah, Adam. Good question, Adam. Yeah, thank you for calling in, and uh, great response, sister. Appreciate that. Let's go now to Margie calling in from Sacramento, California. Margie, good morning. All right. Hey, hey, Margie. Good morning. How are you, sister? Great. Thank I, you. I, I like your name. It, it, I mean, your <laughs> your you. voice. And, and I, is that your real name? You know, that's a great question. So we, in my community, we submit three names to our mother superior at the end of our first year of religious life. When we're, we, we begin as postulants, and then before we become novices, we submit three name choices with reasons why we would love to be called by that name. It's very similar to in Scripture when the Lord gives somebody a new mission. He gives them a new name. You know, you think of Saul became Paul, Simon became Peter, and so forth. And so Mari Stella was my first choice. Having grown up on the East Coast, my home parish was named for Our Lady Star of the Sea. So I've always had a great devotion to her, and it was my honor to be called after her. Have hobbies or friends outside your your vocation? I'm sorry, could you say that again? I said, can you can you have hobbies or friends outside oh, your hobbies your or friends? Yes. Oh, sure. You know, um, our community has the practice of writing real letters. I know that's like a lost art in our culture with email and texting, but we actually send snail mail. And so I have the great joy of receiving letters from friends that I've been friends with now for years. You know, my college friends who went on to get married and have their own families. Also, I become friends with the people I teach with. That's a great joy in my active apostolate. You know, I teach alongside a lot of wonderful lay colleagues, and I get to know their families and their stories. And some of my best friends since I've become a sister have been those men and women along who, alongside whom I've taught. And then, you know, my own sisters really become my best friends. These are women that I've journeyed with now for 19 years. So those friendships are precious to me also. In terms of hobbies, yes, we're, we are welcome to cultivate certain hobbies. You know, we wouldn't have radically expensive hobbies that would take us <laughs> halfway around the world or something to need to practice it. But, you know, within the convent, if there's something that we can do, such as pick up an instrument or painting or um, outdoorsy things. You know, in Arizona, we have the beautiful desert mountains there. And my sisters and I are all able-bodied. Thanks be to God, we're able to go out and enjoy nature. And that's one of my favorite hobbies is just being out in wilderness and praising God for the beauty of his creation there. So yeah, definitely hobbies and friendships are a big part of our life. Great and question. here I thought you'd, you'd be collecting classic cars or something like that, sister. <laughs> well, you know, 
right. <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> yeah, right. Margie, thank you for the call. Good questions. We appreciate that. Let's go now to Cynthia calling in from San Marcos, Texas. Cynthia, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Uh, nice to meet you, sister. I just wanted to give a shout out to the, hi, the sisters at Our Lady of the Angels Convent in Lubbock, Texas. They are the St. Francis Mission Sisters. And uh, especially Mother Provincial Jane, I met her about 10 years ago after I got out of drug rehab for the last time. And she worked at the diocese, and I had gone there to ask for help from something, but she just took me under her wing, and even though she worked within the diocese, I would see people come in there, and the way that she treated people from the homeless community, the streets, because I used to live in the street. And she would take me to the convent. She would take me to discernment night, even though I was like in my 50s. And Mm -hmm. she taught me how to love the poor. And if it wasn't for the example that I saw in her and the love and mercy and goodness that she showed to me, I wouldn't be doing uh, the ministry work that I do today, which is working within the uh, homeless community here in Austin, um, going into the streets, into the woods. But it, it was it was her probably more than anything and a priest that uh, God sent me. And I'm excited because I get to go see her this weekend. And uh, please oh. pray for them because they need vocations. So shout out okay. to Sister Jane, Mother Provincial. Oh, Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think that um, our vocations are mutually inspiring to one another. I remember one time my brother saying, you know, the way... You live for the Lord. Your service, your ministry is so inspiring to me. And I said, hey, yours is inspiring to me, too. You know, mm-hmm. he's a layman. He's married. He has he has a son. He is a deacon now, and he works, you know, and I just look at his fidelity day in, day out, and that's mutual, that inspires me, I think. So, we, you know, the, the vocations, we mutually inspire one another. Thanks be to God. That's one of the mysteries of the body of Christ, I think. So thanks for yeah. sharing that story. Yeah, appreciate it, Cynthia. Thank you for the phone call. On we go to Elizabeth calling in from Glendale, Arizona. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you. My question was, um, when you all go back home, how often are you able to see your family? Um, And then what does life look like when you go home? Do you continue with your uh, ritual, you know, your routine or in your habit wearing? And how does that look for you all? Yeah, when you say home, do you mean home to the mother house or home to actually visit my parents? Like family home, like going back home and visiting family and staying with them. Does, okay. Is that even something that once you take your vowels, like, are you able still to connect with them, you know, physically and go out and visit your family, your mom? And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great question. Thanks, Elizabeth, for the clarification. Yes. So it probably differs based on the community. However, my community's practice is that once a sister is in vows for a certain amount of time, she begins to go home once a year on an annual home visit. And I'm in perpetual vows, so we, we go home for about nine days a year. And in that time, yes, I always wear my habit. My community, that's our practice. We just always wear our habit. Oh, you might hear the bell in the background. That's because yeah. it's calling the sisters to prayer. <laughs> ah. so I'm going to be a little late to prayer, but that's okay because <laughs> they know I'm here. All right, so... Um, when I'm home, yes, I wear my habit, even at the beach. You know, I go to my family's in South Carolina, so we're there together. I do have a habit that's a little bit tattered. It's it's like a, an older habit, and so we call it my beach habit. And we just, you know, I just know that that's the one I'm going to wear, so it doesn't matter if it gets sandy and, and wet. 
And then, yes, I try when I'm with my family to keep up my prayer schedule as much as possible. Obviously, the timing of that will be a little bit different um, when I'm home. And then in terms of family being able to visit us, there are certain times of the year when in the initial first few years of formation that families come to visit their daughters, and that's always a very joyful time at the mother house. You know, there can be mixed emotions. Obviously, parents wish they could stay longer or take their daughter back home with them when they go. And, you know, so that separation is real, and it is, it's difficult. And yet families testify that relationships are strengthened somehow and transformed by the sacrifices that are asked of us. And then once we've been in vows a certain amount of time, our families are able to come and visit more often. But it's kind of interesting. At that point, our families are actually used to us being away. It's just like when, you know, parents may have children who marry and move far away. Initially, they think, oh, we'll come and see each other on every holiday. But that doesn't. That's not realistic, you know? And so we treasure the times that we are together once, twice, maybe three times a year. But it's not like we have the, we feel the need to be together, you know, once a month or, or more, more often because we know each of us is living in the path we've been called to where we are. And so we check in. We know we're doing well. And then when we're together, we love it. But, um, yeah, it's not super frequently that we're together. So thanks for the question. Yeah, great question, Elizabeth. Thank you for calling in. Sister, we've got just over a minute before we ask you to close us in prayer, but uh, I, have a fine, I have a final question for you. You talked in your own vocation story about feeling that stirring of the heart, and, uh, mm. and I'm, I'm guessing many people um, have had that similar stirring. So if it is a stirring toward the religious life, what would you recommend? What's the right thing to do? Yeah, great question. I like how you say the right thing. I would say take the next step. Yeah. So I think often we feel like we have to have it all figured out at once, and that's very overwhelming, and it's really impossible. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. take the next step. So if it's to make to pick up the phone and call the vocation director or to fill out the email application to go on that retreat or whatever it is, you know, there's going to be the next step. And then the Lord will open the next door and then take that next step, you know. So it'll differ for each person depending on where that person is in the journey. But the Lord will show, and often it takes silence on our part. I need to be quiet enough to say, okay, Lord, what's the next step? And then listen for that still small voice or that gentle nudge. Okay, pick up the phone or go on this retreat or whatever it may be. Talk to this person, do this, you know, and the Lord will continue in his gentle, persistent way to guide each of us in the path of holiness. Wonderful. Sister Mari Stella has been our spiritual director for this hour. Sister, it's been great having you on the program. We look forward to the next time that you join us. And I feel like we've only just scratched the surface about religious life. (laughs) Yes. But uh, we would love it if you would close us in prayer, please. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, from whom all good things flow, we offer you the praise, the thanks, and the glory for the gift of this time together. I thank you for all of the callers, for those questions we heard and those we did not have time for. Lord, I pray that you would bless these people, these good men and women who have listened in today. Bless them and their families. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, through the intercession of Our Lady, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow, Saints Peter and Paul with Father Tom Wilson. Hope you can join us. Grace and peace.